right. To God be the glory. I want to talk to you about something uh, as a lead-in to our prayer. Prayer uh, <coughs> time. Excuse me. I had the blessing of the Lord to just think about something Lord Jesus said in a prayer to his father on the night in which he was betrayed. And you see it in, in, in John chapter 17. He said something so unique that it's really have, it has puzzled me all day long. Can you turn to John chapter 17, please? Emma, I know you. We don't have anything yet, do we? Okay, I'll, I'll come over there. Turn your head, girl. I still can't trust you, even though I can trust you. Okay. I know it says. Just put one of them on, on John. <laughs> on down. Up, 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 up. John, John. Up, up. Up, up. Get right there, down. You you got on glasses and you worse than me right there. 17. John 17. Right there. In fact, go ahead and, and, and reconcile all of them to that. Okay. Look at this, everybody. King James says, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify that son that that son also may glorify thee. And then in verse 5, once you pay attention to something. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thy own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Why did he say that? Before. Before the world was created. He must be talking about a level of God's glory that the world has not seen. And a type of glory in which he did not bring with him. In order for him to say to his father, to glorify him with the glory that the two of them had before the world was. That means before anything was created, Jesus and God had a glory that was so unique. What was that? And I was asking the Lord this question this morning when I was driving into Gainesville. And as I was sitting back there today, I was reminded 
Some things you can't read and learn. Some things the Holy Spirit himself has to teach you. I'm putting on my, the, 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 the recorder, Miss Maria. I'm not. <laughs> and so what was that glory? It had to be so different than anything the world has ever seen in order for him to ask for that. The New King James Version says it this way. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may, uh, the son also may glorify you. And then in verse five, and now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. In other words, before the world came into existence. Yeah, I have that in here too. Yes. I think the key phrase there is in verse 5 is the key phrase. In verse 5, glorify me together with yourself. Does that mean the coming together back as one, as father and son, where there was no separation of the two? What exactly does that mean? It has, this means, as I'm looking at this, no human had ever witnessed this. He wants the glory, but the father. Yes, the glory. the world began. He wants that glory back. He wants to go back to that. Whatever that was like, he wants it back. Because obvious, he didn't bring it here with him. Isn't that what it's saying to you? That he didn't come here with it. What do you think of this Explain that to me. He said, glorify me together with yourself. Having completed his work, Jesus looked past the cross and asked to be returned to the glory that he shared with the Father before the world began. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And that's that's what I'm talking about. I guess only the angels got the opportunity to witness what that glory was because they were here before we were. They were in heaven. See, he created us down here, but he created them where? Up there. So they witnessed what that was. But they did something before he created the world here. Yeah. And was there another world? Heaven, where God's throne is. And you can't really call that a world because the world means here. That means the physical manifestation of creation. You, you really can't say that anywhere else. You can only say heaven where God's throne is. And so Jesus, I was thinking about this. Then he said, I have shared your glory with them. I have glorified them with the glory that you have given to me. And I'm thinking, boy, what is that? Because this has to be so unique 
that none of us know what this is. Only the Father and the Son. And it makes them completely outside of us, which they are. And whatever that glory is, I was going to try and um, research it in Hebrew because in the Hebrew language it's kavah. What does it say in Hebrew? It's same thing. Yes, but the, no, but the word, the Hebrew word for glory is kavah. I don't know exactly what kavah is called. Hebrew letters in themselves have definitions. Unlike English letters, they're just letters until you put them together, and then it becomes something. But every Hebrew letter itself has a message. What does it say in Greek? <laughs> Daska. Greek is so abstract. It's just... But what, what was this glory? What do you guys think? What was... In fact, there's the, the lady that's walking by, it was her husband that turned down the deal with the building. Even, even in the very beginning of the Bible, it says God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit were all together when they created the world. Mm -hmm. they were, and Jesus <clears throat> left all that to be born of a woman. So yeah, there's something behind. Everything, yeah, that's what he left behind. Because look, Emma, pull up, pull up in the New King James side, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Philippians, go down, go down past John. Going down, going down, Philippians. Going down, a couple more. One more, right there. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. Everybody look at this real quick, and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. We'll start at verse 5. Look at this. Paul is writing, years after Lord Jesus had said this prayer, Paul wrote, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of the man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Emma, can you put the New King James Version in the King James Version? That's chapter. No, no, no. Go, go right there. Put that in King James. You got to go up to the K. Up, 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 up. K before L. Yeah. All right. Let's look at it this way. In verse six, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made him himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. The actual Greek says he emptied himself. He emptied himself. He, well, when he came as a baby, he didn't come in the form in which he was in heaven. So, In order to get a better understanding, he said that he was, Paul said, that he did not think it robbery to be equal with God. What does that mean? 
in the simplest form, he is God. So he goes back, he leaves here from being the son, goes back to heaven being the father. And because he has a son that he birthed from himself, he also allowed him to remain. But they always been together as one, never separated in spirit. So one took up on a human form. Because I declare, I don't see anywhere in scripture where it shows Jesus, there's a separate throne in heaven beside God where Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. John would have seen that. The only throne John saw was God's throne itself and the throne where the 24 elders were seated around that one throne, circled around it. Those were the only thrones John saw. It blows my mind. I want more. I'm not satisfied with what we just what we have right now. I want more. I want to know God deeper. I want to know what Lord Jesus meant by that. What did him and Father have that he didn't have with him on earth? And he said, Glory. What kind of glory? What was that? Well, what was it that he emptied himself yeah. before he came? <clears throat> Surely there was like for him to do what he did on the cross so he could relate to people in all ways, in every way. You can imagine, feel, think, smell. Right, before the world was created. Yeah. Remember. Are you saying, does he have a throne? Does, do no, it, it was. Yes, he has a throne. Absolutely. Are you saying, does Jesus have a place to sit? Or is he and the Father occupying the same place? Space? I think they're occupying the same space. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. Because even in Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter of the Bible, when it talks about the river, the river of life that's flowing, and it's saying it's flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. The word of is in what we call the genitive form, which it puts him back into the Father, meaning there's only one throne. And so... But Jesus sits at the right hand. But there's no separate throne for him to sit there. John only seen one throne. And we know he sits because that verse says he does, and because it also right talks hand. about um, the demons being Je under a footstool for Jesus. Right. So that's connotating that he sits. Actually, that's a euphemism for authority. Okay, but it not a physical under, but under the authority of Jesus. They are subordinate to Jesus. Period. In every way. Not physically. Not necessarily physically. But. So is the Holy Spirit with them there too? Pardon me? The Holy Spirit is there too? All three of them are sitting? Yeah, they're there. He's. That's what blows my mind. I didn't really want to get too deep, but we need to get deep as the Spirit leads us. Um. Otherwise, I'm going to be stupid as stupid can be in understanding. There's the Trinity. 
Well, uh, I, you know what? Trinity really makes me want to throw up, pardon the expression, when they say Trinity, because to me, it, 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 it water downs who they are when we say Trinity. God, I mean, he's, how can we even put a label on him like that, the, on the three of them? Or any uh, label. Yeah. You feeling okay? I just asked just, just, oh, okay. I need a bath. I need a bath. He is crazy. I love him dearly. But, um, all I know is that we have not seen the essence of God the way we're reading in scripture and we're going, there's so much more. And the apostles, they're hearing this prayer and I'm wondering if they had the same questions as I had. What is it saying? The glory that him and father had before the world was. What is that? What was that that they had? What was that glory they had that they weren't privileged to look at? What what was that? Do you think they might have had another world? Mm -mm. I don't think so. But the world, the word was, Miss Marie. We got we we got to take a moment and teach. Okay, the word was is what we call a to be verb. Do you know what I mean by to be verb? Like I am, the word am means to exist, okay? The word was is, is the secondary word to the word am or is, okay? Those mean they're to be verbs, mean things exist. And Jesus saying the way he said, I want the glory that existed with us before the world even existed, okay? Because the world did not exist until Jesus them created it. And he said there was a glory that him and the Father had long before this world was created. Because the word before, he's pointing back where there was nothing. He said, sir? He said formless. There was yeah. Yeah, it was nothing out there. Right. And he said there was a glory that him and the Father had before anything was created. And... Whatever that was, it must have been something. And he's asking the Father to return him back to that glory after the cross. Because he came down here to be a human just solely to go to the cross. So that the human flesh could be crucified on the cross for our sins. Other than that, how are you going to nail the spirit to a cross? You can't. And you certainly couldn't get close to him because you couldn't even see him. Can't touch him. Couldn't touch him. <laughs> okay? Oh, it's just... Good thing he's God. <laughs> How can any of us understand these things without the help of the Holy Spirit? We just can't do it. It's too deep. And it messes with my head because I want answers and I'm not getting them. And as I'm thinking about this, I was reminded what Moses said. Oh, they did. I, I'm telling you. They created us. Oh, no, that's not what I want to know. 
We Second uh, Corinthians, we will. I just want to show you something. That's all. And uh, this may, I, is it for you all? I believe so. One, this is one of the things Moses said to Israel before he died. In Deuteronomy chapter 29, in verse 29, he said, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law, otherwise obey God's word. What Moses has said to you and I through the nation of Israel, there are simply some things God is not going to reveal to us. And those are the secret things. He's just not going to tell us. And that, that, that bumps out that old saying that people like to say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this and this and this. What Moses just said there, if he ain't told you now, guess what? He ain't going to tell you. And he probably won't even remember that anyhow. You're not going to, because he says the former things have passed away, and, all, and behold, all things have become new. That's what John wrote over in Revelation. And so, uh, it puzzles me. It does dearly. Yeah. Okay, let's go to Lord in prayer. There's a couple of things that we do need to be mindful of. And let's always give God the glory. I was reading the Psalms this morning, and the psalmist was giving God the glory simply because of the, God's works, God's good works. And what are those good works? Look around you. As the Lord was reminding me driving this morning, 6,000 years ago, there were no cars. But people, people enjoyed the luxury of traveling, even with the mode of transportation that God had given. Look around you, people have houses to go in. They have sheds to store things in. They have power lines to bring power to their homes and telephone cables to bring voice so you can have a conversation with people in which you're not even looking at. Okay? So the psalmist was saying in his day, looking at the fact what they had in this world was enough to give God thanks and praise and glory and honor because of the good things God had done for them. Look around, people. Look what God has done for us. We're the only world that's not barren. We're the only world that has life form on it. And God made sure of that. He did this. Unless you decide that secret things that Moses is talking about, not to reveal to us. But so far, according to his word, there is no other world. Okay, this is it. There are no, no other humans. <clears throat> We're it. That God created. And so, 
The writer says to give God praise, to give God thanks. Remember that. Other, this dilemma with the building, ask God for wisdom and guidance. I don't want us to give up a blessing if God has it for us. Okay? But at the same time, if God is saying, don't let your flesh desire something that I'm not giving you. I want to make sure we're listening to what Jesus by the Holy Spirit is telling us in this. Okay? And then, the latter part, we're not doing enough to reach lost souls. I'm not doing enough. Even though I tell God I'm going to do more that day, I don't. Is Nelson not doing enough? Emma's not doing enough. None of us, we're not doing enough to reach lost people. And that is our number one priority in life. To be witnesses of Christ by means of the gospel. We're not doing that enough. So I'm praying for all of us today that God will, if you have to give us a swift, swift kick in the hind parts to make us do it, I don't think you're going to do that, but. <laughs> and I have to tell you people, building roofs on people's houses and building wheelchair ramps, feeding homeless people is not sharing the gospel. That's a ministry. You understand what I'm telling you? Jesus said, go into all the world and teach them and make disciples of them. That means you're sharing the gospel with them. You got it, sis. And that word go in the Greek is a participle. So it's translated like this. While you are going. Ms. Nelson and I, our vehicles be in the wind every day. So while we're going, we need to be looking for opportunities to meet lost people, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Marquis go every day. Vernon go every day. Emma goes every day. Zora goes every day. You name it. Plug your name in there. We go every day away from our homes. And we're faced with the opportunity of the Holy Spirit every day to share. And you can sense when people are not saved. Sometimes I'm surprised. I walk up to them and say, oh, I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And they go, oh, oh, okay, great, great. Give him some praise then. But go ahead, Don. You need to do something? My sweet, beautiful wife back there is summons you to do something. So please, I think Lord Jesus is shifting our priorities. Back to the basics. Okay? Big brother, there's a huge, thank you though, there's a huge Hispanic population around here. Not tapped. And if you have to get in that old beat up white truck of yours and come into town one or two times a week, 
for the sole purpose of seeing if you see them and talk to them, let me encourage you to do that. To see who? I told them there's a huge Hispanic population here that's oh. untouched. Oh. They'll be coming right across the street pretty soon. And man, what? This could be your harvest. They will? Why do they go somewhere else? They're working there's on a Do you speak Spanish too? No. Okay. My wife tries to make me laugh. I should say in public. He only taught me something. <laughs> okay, we don't want that here. Sure, sure. You see, that's why I told you I do And then send me to work. Tonight. And I say, oh, I learned a word. <laughs> and, and they want to say, oh, go get a dish detergent. Wash your mouth out. Okay. He was young and stupid. Hey, I remember that now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, kind of like me with German at first. That's all I learned was the things I shouldn't have said. And then I became a little more formal. All right. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. She says she's not feeling good. You got to go? Okay. Thank you, Marquise, for being quiet. <laughs> All right. Um, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you and we love you that you, by your son, Jesus, has made us your sons and daughters to glorify your holy name. That's why we exist, to give you the praise and the honor that's rightly due you. And Father, it's our life responsibility to love you with every fiber of our being and to be in strict compliance of your word and showing you, as you said, Lord Jesus, if you love me, keep my commandments. I am the first to admit, Lord Jesus, I haven't done that. I falter at that. I, I, I have fallen short in being strict obedience to your word. And I know better because you've taught me extremely well. And Father, I'm asking you if you would be merciful and forgive us for falling short in this area of our lives. And it's not just this area of our life, it's all of our life. That's what life exists for, to bring you glory, to bring pleasure to your great name, which is all by itself holy. And we're asking, Lord, as we come before you with a heart of repentance, forgive us, Lord. Our Jesus, the price you paid on the cross for us was just, it's priceless. And we want people to know that you are God's son and that you paid a price to redeem us. And we want to teach them what that word redeem means. And we want to show them your perfect love so that they will see the perfect love of the Father. And Lord, will you help us? Will you forgive us and help us by the Holy Spirit and give us a boldness to walk holy before you and to be your mouthpiece, your voice here on earth? with great power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, as you help us also to perform signs and wonders, that people will turn their hearts to you. And Lord, we're asking that you take our young people 
your sons and daughters here, Emma, Marquise, and Zora, and you give them a heart that's want to share people, want to share you with people, and that those people will be very, very recipient to what they're telling them, because this is a matter of life and death, but more of it's a matter of love, the greatest love there is. And we, we don't want people to pass it up, Lord Jesus. And we're asking you now, Father, to direct our paths with this building. Lord, we don't know what to do, and we're dependent on you, Lord Jesus, for guidance by Holy Spirit, by giving us wisdom. Even though this building appears, you know, from appearance to look like the right one for us, but Father, you see what we don't see. And we're asking you if this, in fact, the one, and Lord, let all the standards that need to be complied with from heaven, let them be satisfied, Lord. And if not, if there's another building, then direct our path to that one too. And then, Lord, open the gates of heaven, Lord Jesus, and flood us with the resources. That means people, angels, money, material things, everything we need to occupy and to put into operation your ministry in that new location. And we're asking, Lord, also that you sell this building. Give the owner, we pray, what she desires so that she will be released from this burden. And Lord, because she's been a blessing to your people, she's blessed us with the use of this building for four years now, rent-free. And we're asking, Lord, not bad-mouthing or anything, but we're asking you to be a blessing to her in Jesus' name. And Father, for the sake of teaching your children all of us need to be in your word daily and seeking you out, Lord Jesus. Is You told us salvation is knowing Father in you. And they need to know you even on a deeper level, a level in which I cannot give them. The level in which they have to seek you out themselves by Holy Spirit's help. And he will in turn reveal to them your glory and the glory of your son, Jesus. And Lord Jesus, I'm just puzzled and blown over backwards. What kind of glory did you have with the Father before you created the world? That must have been some kind of glory that you asked the Father to return you to that state of glory, to bring you back into that glory with himself that you two had before the world was. And Holy Spirit, only you can reveal to us what that is. And Lord, we claim now for your possession, High Springs, Alachua, Fort White, and Trenton, and even the ends of the world, Lord, all the nations belong to you, Jesus. The Father has given you every kingdom under the sun, and you in turn will have made those kingdoms in the spirit, one kingdom, your kingdom, which is an everlasting kingdom, kingdom that has no darkness, a kingdom in which the enemy cannot rule, 
because he is now your footstool. Father, we love you. We praise you. We ask you to watch over Israel. You are the watcher of Israel, not only the watcher, but the keeper. And we're praying that by your will, that your holy gospel will flood the streets and highways and byways of Israel and in every house and upon every hill and every hamlet, allow your word to go forth like the rising sun and allow souls to be saved, Lord, and return your children, your sons and your daughters from the east and from the west and from the north and the south. Return them back to the land in which you promised their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that you will give to their descendants and allow your Holy Spirit, your peace, to abide in your holy city, Jerusalem. And the Lord, bring a great revival across our land. Save souls by the millions. Prepare the soil now, Lord, and raise up a warrior remnant and the war eagers to, who are not afraid of the gospel of Jesus Christ to go out and share it. Lord, we love you. We ask now that you speak to our hearts and we look into your holy word tonight. Holy Spirit, teach us what Lord Jesus wants us to know. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay. I got to pick up my pep. I'm a little, oh, a little lethargic today. Okay, Emma. How are we? What do you mean? Yeah, you done messed it up again. Right? Okay. Second Corinthians chapter one. Can you handle that? Okay. Miss Marie, last week we were blessed by the Holy Ghost to finish chapter one. A lot of things had occurred in that church. A lot of things had to be corrected. The church in Corinth. Now, other letters have been written to these people. We don't know where they are. A lot of time has passed, Miss Vicky, And so a level of growth has taken place, big brother, in the lives of these Christians. A lot of them have salvation. And... Yes, ma'am. However, as the church grew, like anything, you always have that 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 few in number who think they know more than certain men and women of God. They think they know what's best. Okay? You always have those that's going to rise up and cause division. Okay? One of the things that Paul had told the Ephesian elders, and we'll get to that in, in the sermons that I'm doing through uh, the book of Acts. He told them this, big brother. He said, beware of dogs from within your own ranks within your own congregations. They're going to rise up and they're going to try to put you all out of the way. And they're going to come up 
And they're going to think they have a better doctrine and a better way of doing things. He said, but you protect the flock. You know what I have taught you. And you stand firm to it. You don't be moved by them. And they said, some of them, they're going to be very powerful. But you be more powerful in the Holy Ghost. And you stand against them. Well, I couldn't think of a letter that was more applicable to the church and current. Because what Paul taught in the first letter was everything that the Holy Spirit wanted him to give them. And now, so since they couldn't refute the evidence of Christ's resurrection, because if you notice in that one book, 1 Corinthians as we call it, he referred a lot to Jesus' what? Resurrection. His crucifixion. In his opening statement to them, he said, only thing I want to know among you is Jesus Christ and him crucified. <laughs> he said, I'm not coming with you in the junk. I'm coming with you with the pure gospel and the power of God and the Holy Ghost. He said, I'm not coming to you with persuasive speech of men or the wisdom of men. And he would later write, very shortly down in that letter, he said, for the wisdom of men is like foolishness to God. It's foolishness to God. It's foolishness to God. In other words, shut in every mouth that think they're more intellectual and more wiser than God. He says, shut it up. He silenced them. So, they, it's, it's, it's hard to fight against the truth. Right? It's hard when the Holy Ghost verifies and certifies that this is the gospel truth, what this man is teaching. Okay? So they figured they couldn't attack him that way. So what did they do? Kind of like what our politicians are doing today. They turn on each other. So they turned on Paul personally. They couldn't destroy the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't. It's irrefutable. You cannot fight against God and win. Amen. You cannot destroy the works of the cross that Lord Jesus had done. <laughs> it's sealed forever. But what they did, they went after the man. And that's what this letter is about. And as they go after Paul to try and discredit him as an apostle... Paul holds firm to his apostleship from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. And he made sure as he's putting up a defense that Jesus Christ is the center. At the cross and beyond the cross and coming again. He made sure that Jesus Christ is visible. And that's why I don't understand certain people running for office want to tell people that they're Christians and these not-so-wise pastors let some of them in the pulpit and they're not even ministers of the gospel and they want to get up in the pulpit because they're running for office? Uh-uh, you get your unholy, unclean self out of God's holy sanctuary. Get yourself out of here. All of a sudden, you're running for a big office and you're supposed to come up in here like you somebody? 
Uh-uh, unless you call by the Holy Ghost, sit yourself in the queue like everybody else. Okay? These men, they crossed the line. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God. That's the first thing he comes out and says. You want to know my credentials? There they are. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ and of God. People, you want to know where I get my authority from? There it is. The Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. If you got a problem with me being here, take it up with him. That's what he's saying to him. Amen? Amen? And Timothy, our brother, because Timothy was there with him. He's co-laboring with Paul in the gospel. To the church of God in Corinth, together with all the saints throughout Achaia, or modern-day Greece. So there are multiple congregations he's addressing. You see that? Because he said, throughout where? Achaia. So evidently this poison that these men had stirred up, they were spreading this poison in all of the churches in Corinth. Okay? So now he has to deal with it. But he doesn't start out by being nasty, and he never is. But he started out being very firm and very direct and very bold. So they know beyond a shadow of a doubt who's talking, who's addressing you, okay? Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Kairos and Irene are now together, the two sisters of the gospel. You know who they are? Kairos and Irene? Kairos is grace. It's the Greek name for grace. And Irene is the Greek name for peace. Kairos and grace. Okay, Kairos, grace. Irene, peace. So Kairos and Irene has showed up. <laughs> and that's what we want. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God. And here it is. He's giving God the glory. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's describing what Ms. Marie called the Trinity, which I don't... Didn't see me do that. Okay. Uh, praise be to God and to our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of what? Of compassion and the God of all what? Comfort. Say it again. Comfort. Say it again. Comfort. Did you just know you said the name of the Holy Spirit? Because the Greek name there is Parakalitas. The Comforter. The Comforter. Mm -hmm. It's the same name. Okay? Are you getting this part? 
Yes, ma'am. So who does what? Paracletus? Us. Are you seeing that? And all of our troubles so that we can paracletus those in any trouble with the paracletus we ourselves have received from God. In other words, the Holy Spirit has done this, the Holy Spirit is doing this, and the Holy Spirit is doing that with us and you. That's how God is comforting us. Okay? And when you look at that in the Greek, go, whoo, boy. Because that's what Jesus called them over in John, the paracletus. It's the same word that we, when we translate to comfort someone in Greek. Okay? I don't know why I'm reading the NIV part. I guess to make Miss Vicky feel happy today. <laughs> For just as the suffering of Christ flows over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Okay, look, look, look. Bad things are going to happen to good people. When you're out there doing the work of Christ, you might be hungry today or tomorrow. You might be thirsty. You may get beat up. You may be cold. You may be hot. You may have to sleep out in the open. You may get shipwrecked. But while those things are happening to you, who's comforting you? While those things are happening to you? Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days. Was he not? No. Missing the comforts of home. Missing fellowship with his who? Church people. Church people, his parents, I mean, mom and brothers and sisters. Yes? Out there alone. But was he alone? No, because in the first part of that journey, in the opening statement of that journey, it says, and the Holy Spirit did what? Yeah, it took him out to where? Out to the wilderness. And what were you doing with him? Even though he wasn't eating or drinking, he wasn't alone. The Holy Spirit was right there with him. Even though as a human he had to go through that part because that's what God wanted him to do. Guess who was still there with him? Watching him and, okay. And, and, and. Do I need to say, make sure he was all right? I, I don't know, maybe that probably shouldn't say that, but I guess the easier way for us to understand it, that he was there overseeing the whole thing. He was there in a mission. Yeah. With the beasts and killing them. Did, and... did it interfere? No, no, no. Interference. Nobody. Until at the end of that 40-day period, then came the tempter, the chief principality himself showed up. And it was kind of like the Holy Spirit was Jesus' school schoolmaster. He, he, he has trained them during the 40-day period, and now he has to go through the test. And he passed it with flying colors. Like you said on Sunday. Yeah. And so, what does that have to do with all what we're doing in this book with, with Paul? He just said, as we go through some things, as we suffer, as much as we suffer is as much as God comforts. 
to where his comfort overflows what? The suffering. Okay? Yeah, it's a lot of trials, a lot of testing. Yeah, and who did he write that to? He wrote it to this group of church members in the last book. Last letter that he had wrote to them. You're not going to give you more than what you can handle. All right. And then in verse 6, he says, what? Uh, Emma, can you reconcile all those to uh, 2 Corinthians? No. Okay. In verse 6, he says, and whether we are afflicted or in distress, it is for your consolation and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffered. So what did he just say there? Whatever happens to us is for your benefit. Is that not what he just said? And whatever comfort God gives us, he also going to give who? You. That's what he's saying to him. So he's, he's kind of, he's walking him through something here. Are you seeing this? He's walking him from the love of God the Father. Is, is he, he is the one appointed by them to do this mission with the Corinthian church. And he's letting them know that he went through a level of, of, of suffering and the Father comforted him in Lord Jesus. And also, they must have gone through a level of suffering too, right? And so... Father's also doing what with them? Comforting them. Mm -hmm. Right? And that's what Lord Jesus is doing with them? Yes? Yes. And so, he say, and our hope for you is what? Firm or steadfast in the King James. Why do I have two regular King James up there? Okay, that's cool though. And our hope for you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the suffering, so shall you also be part of the consolation. Once again, he's repeating a theme here over and over again. So do you think maybe this church is going through something again? Sounds like it? But not by themselves. Because he's saying that, the, that, that God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ is right there with them, comforting them too. Okay? And uh, he said, we do not want you to be uninformed. I like the way the King James says, for we would not, brethren, have you what? Ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. That we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. Where was Asia? Uh, anybody ever heard of Ephesus? Galatia? No? That part, that, that's considered Turkey? That's considered Asia Minor. So he called it Asia. So while in those churches are doing... Read... Read the letter that he wrote to 
the Thessalonians. And he'll tell you how they came out them. Okay? Random. Right? Are you, are you, did you see them on your map? No. It's over here, I think. Over here, right? Asia, we'll be back this way. It's, a, it's above the line. Right, right, above and back this way. It's where, where he's at. Okay? So he's saying he experienced some, even to the point that they thought they were going to die. Have any of us today have been this way serving the Lord to the point where we think we're going to die by serving him? Anybody challenge our lives or threaten our lives or take food and shelter and water and all the necessities that we need to live no. away from us? And has anybody beaten us half to death? No. no. Set us on fire? Cut us? No. no. So we, we don't know what it's like to but, you know, go through what this brother has experienced. And he just, he, did he say himself or did he say what? He said, us, so evidently there were others, brothers in Christ. More than one. Yeah, that was going through it with him. And so he was describing this. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead. Wow. Now you want to talk about the level of faith? There it is. He said, even if this thing killed us, we're still going to trust God. We're still going to do what God and Jesus sent us to do. Can you think of in Scripture four people that went through this? Right off the bat, off the top of your head? Yeah, baby. Oh, you're going to make me dance up here. Yeah, Daniel. You know, we're not going to bow down to a, f a false god, an idol. And even if our God isn't able to save us from the fire, we're still not going to do it. Amen. Oh, she did a shake, shake, shake. She lost it. Oh, my goodness. Every time. So, anyway, we're not the fire computer operator. Okay, we'll pay you more. I'll do a job. Okay. So, put nine to the top, Emma. It is something. There were times that I was up here preaching and y'all didn't know it. That I thought I was going to have a massive heart attack. And I said, Lord, even if I die, I'm going to keep going, if, even if it costs me. I'm not going to stop. The time I was praising him, and I could just feel my heart acting crazy. And I said, y'all ever see me do this sometime? Mm -hmm. That means my heart was bothering me. But you know what? I said, Lord, if I go, I'm with you. If I stay, I look at him. I didn't say that to the Lord. <laughs> I didn't say that to the Lord. But knowing what the Lord has in store, what Lord Jesus has prepared, is far greater than what's down here. Exactly. 
Amen. But I'm not going until he says so. <laughs> no matter what happens here. Okay? And so, and that's not happening today. I'm, I'm just tired today. That's all today is. I'm just tired. Sir? And I still got to look at you. <laughs> to God be the glory. So, he said, even in the midst of troubles, when his life was on the line, when their lives were on the line, they still had to trust God. And they did. Because he's God who can raise the dead. Amen. And you remember Abraham? When God told him to sacrifice his son Isaac, you remember reading that, Emma? And you remember he was actually going to do it, but why did Abraham go through it? Because he loved God and he believed, it would later be told us, right, that he believed God was able to raise Lazarus from the dead. I mean, not Lazarus, give me Isaac from the dead. He believed God. God prepared a ram in the bush. In the thicket. Okay? Now, Miss Vicky, persevere with my craziness just a little bit longer. So, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril or dangers of death, and he will deliver us. Listen. He did it once. He'll do it what? You got in trouble more than one time with your situation, right? Me? Plenty of times. And he's still here. And we're still here. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Because he has delivered us more than once. Okay? From the clinches of death. I know for a fact. And so, that's the way Paul is looking at this. You did it once, you do it again. Because he is a deliverer. All right, I'm going to pick it up a little bit. So on him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers. And that's so important. Let me tell you something. Sometimes we don't think when we're going to make it. Have you thought that? I have thought that, God, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this one. But somebody was praying and God heard those prayers and Lord Jesus answered it. That's why me and Brother Amelia who have heart trouble can sit here and say God answered the prayers of those who love us. Okay? I know that I should have been gone many times. Even times when I didn't tell Belinda, when I felt the pain in my chest tightening and then the pain went in my arm and into my jaw. I knew that. And y'all didn't even know that day we was passing out stuff in Fort White that it hit me so bad that my heart quivered and my vision got blurry, my legs got weak and so my breath became shallow. 
And, and I was walking at the edge of the trailer. I had just picked up something off the ground and it hit me and I was going down and I prayed, said, Jesus, save me. By your stripes, I'm healed. And immediately, my body regained strength. And the following week, I had my doctor's appointment and I told my doctor, and I said, my heart had quivered. I thought I was gone that day, but I'd never said anything to you all. Satan been trying to kill me over and over again. But Jesus has always been right there on time to save me. And my hope lies in him. Huh? I've been there. I was driving in my eyesight once. Okay, it's 7.35. If you allow me just to get through this portion right here. Amen. Quickly. It does. Hmm. So as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. When God's children pray for his other children when we pray for one another and people see God answering those prayers people give God glory throughout when Jesus was healing people remember reading when he healed the man that was brought in on a stretcher by four of his friends they brought him through the roof and as they laid that man before him, Jesus said to the man, he said, son, your sins have been forgiven you. And of course the Pharisees, boy, they, they didn't like that. They went to mama, who can forgive sin but God? And Jesus said, so that you would know that the son of man have power on earth to forgive sin. And after he had, he, said that, he said to the man, he said, take up your bed and go home. <laughs> and the man got up, mm -hmm. rolled up his mat, picked up whatever scratch I guess he had, and he walked home and the crowd went crazy glorifying God. That's what it's all about. I'm here to tell you, when God does wonders in our lives, when he touch us, and it does. It's all for his glory for those out there to see and witness and know that it's only God who could have done this mm -hmm. and glorify him and his son, Jesus. I know yeah. what I'm talking about. I know personally. You know personally. You know what God has brought you from. This child here, God, he don't even know and someday we'll tell him. He's a... He's a, he was a medical nightmare as a kid. Yeah. But look at him now. He would have never known that God did a work in him. He don't even know where God had brought him from. But we as parents know. We as parents know. Okay. So, in verse 12, uh, let's close up with verse 12. 
Let me go through verse 12 and we'll, we'll pray and go home, okay? Um, now, this is our boast or our bragging right, okay? Our rejoicing is this. Amen? I'm sorry. Our bragging right is this. Well, what are those bragging rights? It says, our conscience testify, testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relationship with you and the holiness and sincerity that are from God. We have done so not according to worldly wisdom, but according to God's grace. Well, what does he just say? That's kind of, we just need to unfold it a little bit. The man said, we live godly before you. We behave godly before you. And we've done the works of God godly before you. Not by the wisdom of men or the standard of this world that we live this way, but by God and God alone. And so that's how Paul was able to stand. Because he had been doing it on his own power, he would have faltered somewhere. But Jesus Christ kept Paul by the Holy Ghost in that state of holiness that gives God the glory. When people say to me sometimes, and I hear, hear them saying it, Samuel Nelson is the most godly man we know. And I'm going, boy, you just don't know. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Don't ever say that. Because without Jesus, I'm nothing. You don't know how many times over the last 37 years I've cried to God and said, Lord, I don't see how you can love me. Because if I was you, I would have kicked my butt in the lake of fire already. I wouldn't even put up with that garbage. That's what I said to God about me. And of course, he reminded me, you're not me. You're not me. And so only Jesus can present us faultless before his present, before his appearing, and holy and without blame. That's what he wrote to the Colossian church. Paul would write that letter. Only Jesus can cause Miss Marie to stand in his presence, holy and without any fault of sin. Blameless. Blameless. Only Jesus is going to do that. For any of us, if we're relying upon our own human abilities, then it's called works. And none of us are going to make it. And that's where God's grace come in. That's what Paul told the church in Ephesus. He says, by grace you are saved through faith and nothing else. Unless men shall do what? Boast or brag. Look what I've done. I know God going to let me in. And you hear people saying that today. I know God going to let me in because 
I've sold all my goods and I give to the poor. But what did, what did Paul say to the church, the same church in his first letter? He said, if I give all my goods, you know, sell them and give the proceeds to the poor, and I don't have love, I'm nothing. And without Jesus, you can't have that love. Okay? And so... I'm telling you, he has rescued me. And I remember you had a nasty bruise on you coming up in here from one of them horses. See, that would have been me. I just went and got my, you know what, and I'd have smelled some gunpowder after that. I'm just telling you what I'd have done. <laughs> So that's just me. I'm different, right? Because the word of God says, if an animal shed man's blood, yes, Lord Jesus is so incredibly wonderful. Why he put up with us. And, and I've asked him, and we'll close out in prayer. I know you're ready to go home. I know it's been been a long evening. But I do ask, Mr. Lord, how did you even, why did you even put up with us when you could have, in fact, created a new human race? He could have started over. But instead of wiping humanity completely out, he saved eight and said, okay, you know what you got to go do? Go do it. And he brought us back. From the brink of what? Extension. Because man was on the brink of extension when God brought the flood. Had he not allowed that womb to be continue fertile? And the seed to be fertile and swim up north? We wouldn't be here today. We would not be here today if it weren't for his mercy and grace to allow us to continue. And we didn't come from bad seed. He didn't. He destroyed the bad stuff. Did he not? Anyway. God is so good. All the time. Let's pray. Get my feet down. Father, we thank you so much in the precious name of it, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for Emma operating a computer at times in which your children didn't even have computers. And yet we are blessed to put your word up on the screen, Lord Jesus, and get the opportunity to talk about it without somebody shooting at us or blowing us up or taking us out in the streets and cutting our heads off. And Lord, just on the liberty of the Holy Spirit, we can come and Share and break your holy bread together and to feast on the word of God and, and to grow according to your spirit. And Lord, all we got to do is go out and be your shining light in a dark world so that those that sit in darkness will see the great light of Jesus Christ through the gospel and the desire to be his. Father, will you help us now? Will you help us to continue? and the powerful, powerful word of Jesus so that we can continue to be his testimony upon this earth. Well, will you protect us? Will you allow your spirit to keep that hedge of protection around us and 
Lord Jesus, will you continue to strengthen our bodies where we're weak and keep our minds pure where we're filled? Help us, Lord, to walk holy and worthy of the calling that you placed on us. We love you. We praise you. We know that you're Israel's rearward guard right now. You're the rear guard watching over her. Thank you for being that, Lord Jesus, that shepherd that never goes to sleep. It's always watching over your sheepfold. And we're the sheep of your pasture. And you're the good shepherd who laid down your life for us. But you're not dead. You're very much alive. And we're saying to those around the world that's going to hear this message, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. A piece of wood that's made into an idol can't save you, or a stone that's carved into the image of a man can't save you. Only the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, can save you. Jesus saves by his blood and gives life by his spirit. We're asking that you trust in God's Son and love him and trust in God by trusting in his Son. Because truly Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except by Jesus. Will you trust him right now? Holy Spirit is present with you to open your eyes to the truth, the reality of standing before God someday. Here you can stand as a sheep, or you can stand as a goat. As Jesus separate the sheep from the goats, and it will say to the goats, be cast into everlasting fire. But to the sheep, he will bring into his everlasting arms. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we pray that people will make the decision to surrender their lives to you. Not saying a little prayer, Lord, but to truly surrender their lives to, the, to your Lordship, Lord Jesus. To trust in you forever and ever. It is in your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. <clears throat>